Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Transitions. So this is the time of year when many of our friends and family are in some kind of transition. There are people heading north for the summer, kids going on summer break, big vacations are planned, and some of us are actually having to relocate for work assignments. These transitions are exciting, but they're also a source of stress, whether you're the one leaving or you're the one staying put. For those going somewhere else, there are a lot of new adjustments to make, such as sleeping arrangements, medical or meal plans, local travel options at your new destination, and on and on and on. And for those staying put, there is this loss or void that sometimes felt by the absence of your friend or family member that has moved on to somewhere else. Shared routines that you may have had will stop or at least change. And it often seems like the person staying behind often has the greater challenge since the one going to a new place is usually inundated with new things to learn and to see. But the one going on the adventure can be overwhelmed with all those adjustments as well. And they might be looking for a place for their old times and their old ways. This is something where we've all been there. It's often been said that the only thing constant in life is change. We are constantly changing, meeting new people, growing into new people, and new ways of being. We change schools as we grow up, even if we stay in the same town. We take on different jobs and career paths. Our bodies change as we grow older, and our relationships change, whether it's because of new commitments that we might make or commitments that our friends make. Despite our familiarity with change and the notice, notion of change, our acceptance of its and acceptance of its inevitability, shouldn't have written that word. <laughs> change comes with challenges. In our passage this morning from the Gospel of John, we read how Jesus was preparing his disciples for his next big transition. They gathered in the upper room to share the last supper together, and Jesus had just sent Joseph, or Judas on his errand of betrayal. After, Jesus le after Judas left, Jesus announced, Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the other Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So as you might imagine, this was a bombshell for the disciples since they had dedicated themselves to following Jesus wherever he went for those last few years. But this time, Jesus told them that they would not be able to follow him on his next leg of the journey. Of course, they were bewildered and devastated, so Jesus tried to calm their fears. In preparation for his departure, <clears throat> He gave them some specific instructions and highlighted the most important lessons that he had taught them while they walked with him. He began by telling them to believe in God and also believe in him. This is a rather simple phrase that I think 
has deep nuances that are often overlooked. On the superficial, it may indicate simply an acceptance of existence and trust. Believe that God exists and trust God. Believe that Jesus exists and trust Jesus. Jesus seems to be garnering trust from his disciples as he explains to them that there are many dwelling places in heaven and he is going to prepare one for them. Although they can't go there yet, they know the way. Now, confused by a different understanding of place, Thomas replied, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Apparently, Thomas was trying to figure out the physical location of where Jesus was going. But Jesus was talking more about a mental and a spiritual place. Jesus answered him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So again, Jesus is not speaking just in physical terms, but in spiritual terms. <clears throat> Jesus, a physical person walked who walked the earth, yet he was also spiritually the same as God, sharing the way to God, the truths of God, and the eternal life of God. Knowing Jesus would be the same thing as knowing God. But still confused, Philip asked Jesus to show them God. Then everything would just be fine. Jesus, apparently shocked at his request, replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. It sounds as though Jesus is a bit frustrated that Philip still hasn't been able to recognize the presence of God within him. Jesus spoke only with the words given to him by God and acted only at the direction of God, the directions that God gave him. If you wanted to know God, what God would say or what God would do, you simply had to look at Jesus. Jesus had emptied himself of all but the essence of the will of God. If Philip couldn't recognize God within Jesus through a spiritual resonance within his own being, then Jesus said that he should at least believe that he is one with God based on the works that Jesus was able to perform. So as we look at this pre-resurrection encounter with post-resurrection eyes, by the way, I think we should be careful about being judgmental of Thomas and Philip and the rest of the disciples. They had no idea what was about to happen. And although Jesus wanted his disciples to have a deep understanding of who he was and what he was trying to teach them, he knew that it wouldn't be as simple as just making a statement of belief. Just saying, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus doesn't mean that we fully understand 
the way and the truth and the life that Jesus points us toward. Believing in God and Jesus involves understanding, at least spiritually, the mind of Christ. This is something that takes time and is implied, actually, in the beginning of today's passage. The statement, translated in the New Revised Standard Version as, believe in God, believe also in me, is actually a little different if you look at the original Greek. The Greek version of this passage is, pistivite is ton theon, kais ime pistivite which is translated more literally as believe into God, believe also into me. The word is in this passage means into, as though Jesus was talking about a process of an evolving and growing belief. It's distinctly different from the passage where Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In that passage, the literal translation of the Greek is in, as though Jesus is saying that God dwells within him, and he dwells within God. So believing into God and Jesus implies ongoing change, where we're expected to grow toward an understanding of who Jesus was and is today. Part of believing into Jesus is to gain a confidence in his resurrection, and awareness of his presence around us today. The passage we read from the book of Acts earlier this morning talks about the first century Christian martyr known as Stephen and how he witnessed himself the resurrected Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, the first century leader of the Christian community in Jerusalem, had bluntly confronted his neighbors about their complicity in Jesus' execution. And he continued to criticize them for the failings of their ancestors to be faithful to God. In a fit of rage, the leaders dragged him outside the city and stoned him to death. As he was dying, Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke of seeing the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. For Stephen, Christ's presence became visual. He could see Christ with God, and he wanted to share this vision with everyone, even those who were stoning him to death. Stephen was known to have a heart for Christ during his lifetime, but even in his final moments, he was able to grow in his faith, gain a greater depth of belief in God and Jesus. We can all gain the surety of the risen Christ that Stephen had acquired in his final moments. God is constantly inviting us into a deeper relationship to make us more aware of Christ's presence in our lives. If we accept that invitation, we will experience changes that not only cultivate that relationship with God, but also change us and how we live. We may choose, choose to spend our time differently or see the world around us differently or change the focus of our daily efforts. As we've already noted, change is inevitable and it can sometimes be stressful. But if we consciously make a choice 
to accept the changes that come with growing closer to Christ, believing into Christ, I think we'll experience the kinds of transitions that will culminate in much deeper gratitude and much deeper joy. So this morning, I encourage you to reflect on the transitions going on in and around your life and look for the areas where you can make impactful changes that bring you closer to Christ.